1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Everything Cooperative. This is a great Thursday morning, and this morning I am on a farm in New Mexico, and this farmer has alpacas, and she uses the uh, fiber to make sweaters and socks, and she sent her fiber to a cooperative in order to do this. She's, she says the... The rural electric co-op, the telephone co-op, the fiber co-op, they're in a lot of co-ops. And it would have been nice if I had known that before. So I may have had her on the show this morning. But we've already scheduled Mr. Michael Johnson on the show, and he's with us this morning. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Vernon. How are you? I am great. And how are you this morning? I'm really good. Good news. Good news. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you about democracy. Uh, You know, in high school, I had a civics class on democracy, and quite frankly, I don't remember learning anything, and they don't teach civics anymore in high school, and it's kind of interesting. Where does one learn about what does it take to be a responsible citizen and what democracy is? And I haven't, that's what you're doing? You're wanting to do this? What are you attempting to do here as it relates to democracy?
0: Well, what? I'm attempting to do is really unconventional in many ways so I think some of the things I may throw out in the course of our conversation people are going to say, ah, what but I've been thinking about this since 1968 when I participated in the Columbia University strike way, way back then so basically we don't teach people how to be democratic in a deep and extensive way people do learn democracy but they learn it in a very in a very shallow and a very conflicted way and the purpose of the growing democracy project is to develop a transformative civic educational uh, network in which everyday people are learning how to develop and deepen and strengthen their democracy through transformative communities of practice. and these will be local, and they will all be networked together.
1: So, so I got growing democracy. That's what you're about. You're wanting to make sure that folks really understand what democracy is, and that's the everyday people, and you do that through practice, 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 practice. And when I was playing football or basketball or learning tennis, you, you had to practice. In order to, to hone in your skill sets. and right now, uh, where do we get where do we get practice in being a democratic citizen in today's world?
0: I, I think we get it in, in haphazard ways. We get it in the civic associations we belong to. It happens in some of the schools. If you take the uh, cooperative and, and social uh, solidarity economic movements, It happens in a more focused way. But I think that in order for us to develop democracy the way we need to in order to deal with the world that we've created, it has to be a transformative way. So the the Growing Democracy Project uh, is built around three pillars. One of those is...
1: Okay, so let me me stop you just before you get into the three pillars of this. I have... um, my basis for my democracy was at my in my family, growing up in Bluefield, West Virginia, with my grandfather having worked in the rail on the mines and my father on the railroad, very much union folk. Um, when when elections happened, everything stopped in my family. Everybody went to vote that could vote. Now I didn't understand it. They never set us down to teach us about it, but it was a big deal when election time came. Uh, so I would suggest when you said schools, civic organizations, and cooperatives, I, for me the basis we were Democrats. So I'm a Democrat. It was that was what my family was. So it, the family, I guess, is from my viewpoint, is the core of how one learns democracy and what one does. At least when I've talked to people about why are you a Democrat, why are you a Republican, what well, my father was, my mother was, my grandparents were. But also my family said you vote for the person that's going to be the best for you, whether it's Democratic, Independent, Republican. That was another core belief. But voting was critical. And as a kid, it was like I didn't understand it. It was almost next to Christmas and excitement and enthusiasm and bustling around to make sure folks got to the poll. So I guess if you're in a family where people don't vote, you don't get that. You don't learn that thing. that we have such a small amount of people that vote. So I just wanted to add to you, where do we learn from? I get critically as family. Secondly, it's probably school, civic organizations. But in co-ops, and I've experienced this, you really learn what voting is and why it is and what it is in, the, in this co-op world. Okay, let's talk now about this transformative, growing democratic project. And you started to say before I cut you off, there are three parts of that.
0: Yeah, the three pillars are, very briefly, the primacy of culture, uh, transformative learning is the second, and rethinking democracy is the third. I only start with rethinking democracy, because you, you're you talking about it in terms of voting and party politics, et cetera, et cetera. And I really understand this. On election day in 1948, my parents were going out to a party, uh, a different kind of party, and uh, we were listening to the returns on the radio this was Truman and Dewey and they told me listen because when we come home we want to know who won so I was being trained <laughs> at age six to participate but that illustrates the point that we learn how to relate and how to live our lives through culture family is the first cultural institution this is you know we learn to speak english in the family and it's also reinforced by the other groups that the family belongs to the churches the schools etc etc so what happens and this is one of the things that's emerging from a whole lot of developments in social science what happens is that culture embeds itself through the family and these other collectives into my body, into your body. We speak English, it's because it's embedded in our body and we embody it. So there's an embedding, embodying process. And from my viewpoint, this trumps ideology. Ideology is a second factor. So if we really want to talk about developing a deep democracy, We need to think primarily in terms of culture. How can we use this embedding, embodying process to grow your democracy, to grow my democracy? And that's where transformative learning comes in. Because not only did I learn democracy growing up, but I was one of four boys. We were Texas. We were male and sibling rivalry never stopped. In fact, it still goes on to this day.
1: <laughs> now you said Texas? Texas, Texas. yeah.
0: Texas. I'm, I'm right near where you uh, <laughs> I was born and raised right near where you are now. Okay. So this rivalry I'm the better man got deeply embedded and embodied in me. So that runs so contrary to democracy. So I won't Growing up with this conflict, with this contradiction within me, and I think it applies, you know, across the board. I wasn't anything unique except the way, the particular way in which I put all of this together as I grew up.
1: So I, I just I need to stop you a minute cuz I don't have yeah, yeah. Sure. and I don't know if if the audience had this embedding and embodying so I want to take this sibling rivalry to make sure I get it. Okay. So because okay. there was there were three boys in my family. We were all stair step and then three girls. There was none of this sibling rivalry between the boys and the girls, but between the three boys, yes, there was a lot of it. <laughs> so you said it gets embedded. And my father used that rivalry between us to hone our fighting skills he was world war ii vet we were in a bigot racist society african americans and we integrated the schools in 1955 and so we had to fight and i didn't know my father was teaching us how to fight when he had us fighting and boxing each other okay um but that's what he was doing and so it was embedded in us to fight and he taught us if somebody comes and say they're going to hit you, you hit them first. It, and it was those kinds of things. And that was sort of embodied in us. Uh, okay, he embedded it. I'm getting it. He embedded us. You have to fight, and you have to know how to fight, and you have to win. And we would be fighting each other, which I did not like. This. I did not like my father doing this, and particularly without telling us what he was doing. And then after that, it got in my body and all of my cells of my body, to fight. Got it. That's I got what I'm it.
0: talking about. Okay. I would just add to that is that this got embedded in your father and he invited it. That's how it's transmitted to you.
1: Absolutely. I, I got and that. There's a
0: whole network of uh, cultural places and circles
1: that's reinforced it. Go ahead. All right. We have to take our first break. I love it. I'm learning. Thank you so much. We're rethinking democracy. We want to transform it, looking at how we learn about democracy, how it got embedded in us, and how we embody it. And we're going to come back and talk about what are the kinds of things that we do. This is what this whole program is about, to make it such that we have a much better democracy than we have right now. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Co-op. And we're talking to Michael Johnson this morning about something that's very, very exciting to me, and that's our democracy and how it's become what it is and uh, what must we do in order to improve it. And he's been thinking about this since 1968. I did a little math. He was about 26, and he talked about the Columbia University strike, and his parents had started him to embed this democracy in 1948 when he was six years old. And Truman versus Dewey in 1948. Michael, I was one years old, and you were six. So that says that since I'm 73, going on 74 years, 78 or 79 now. So it's this five years difference. And you've been thinking about this since 1968. In 68, I was a senior in college, really dealing with the Vietnam War and not wanting to get drafted and all of those. And trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. I wasn't thinking about politics, even though Hubert Humphrey came down to Bluefield State to go down in the coal fields. And since I was the president of Democratic Committee on Bluefield State Campus, I got to ride with him in the car going down to McDowell County in the coal fields, and we had nothing to talk about to each other. It was sort of a wasted, for me, opportunity to talk and try to figure out what was happening in politics, particularly at that time. But that that turned out to be a wasted experience. And now it is, how do we not waste experiences? Okay, let me go back and say it differently. Why is it that we need this now? What is the situation of our politics? I didn't get it with Hubert Humphrey. What's our politics now that would cause you to want to do this now?
0: We're so polarized, which to me is like when a body gets sick and the symptoms have to show to know that there's there's something wrong. And right now, on a wide-scale basis, in almost every dimension we can think of, there is this profound polarization. And we keep think, trying to address it in terms of having the correct ideology. And people on the left say it's the people on the right, and the people on the right are saying it's people on the left, and then there's some people on the left and some people on the right who are trying to say, guys, is there any way we can get together and think together rather than screaming at each other? And they're not really being, well, they're having a hard time really being heard because there's this, this overwhelming polarizing energy But it it didn't come out of nowhere. We've had these tendencies from the very beginning. You can look at the Constitution, uh, maintaining slavery, all of this underlying, polarizing ideas and thinking about what we are as a nation. It was always there, and it erupted in the Civil War, it erupted in Jim Crow, and it erupted with the Civil Rights Movement, and uh, so, We've been moving in many, in a much, in a great direction in many ways, but we haven't been able to go deep enough, and that's where the transformative learning component becomes so essential, because you learn to fight and you learn to be Democrat. I learn to be, I got to be the best man, and I learn to be de- democratic. But I had to go through, I went through about a 15-year process of finding out that I was driven to dominate every man that I had an uh, an engagement with. And this had to be pointed out to me because I wasn't seeing it. I wasn't aware of it. And I wasn't aware that what that actually added up to was if you and I were engaged in order for me to feel okay about myself you had to feel less value in yourself I had to destroy your value and this is a a basic component of our culture Uh, I've seen in other cultures too so how do we deal with this overarching conflict that I want to be democratic and yet I want to be the best person here I want to get the most this plays out in multiple, in various, in, uh, amazingly devious uh, ways.
1: So I just want to make sure, because I'm African-American, you're Caucasian or white American, that when you want to dominate, it isn't necessarily race. Sometimes it could be, but you have the same feeling if it's white on white, white on Absolutely. Asian. You on anybody, any other male, you have to be the dominating force, okay? Absolutely. And that you got from culture.
0: We're sitting in a bar. And a very beautiful woman walks in. We are. I want her. You want her. He wants <laughs> it's there. You know, it, it just it, it comes it comes right up, and it's and it's in many ways it, it, we don't have to kill it. We just have to understand it and know. I don't want to go there. I have an alternative way to go. I have a way in which I can relate to men, in which I can set all of that stuff. Aside or calm it down if it gets triggered, so that I'm trying to see your value and help you to see my value. And that's pretty much this leads to the whole thing about rethinking democracy. Because in in the Growing Democracy Project, democracy is seen as a way of living and relating before it's seen as a way of governing.
1: Wow. Living and relating. That's right. And I'm still at the bar wanting to (laughs) fight you. Okay. Oh, this good-looking woman that walked in. Okay. Okay. Assuming we are, right now, I'm going to take this other stigma out. We're not married. We're not with anybody. And there's three of us at the bar. And this good-looking woman comes in and dressed impeccably, you know, looks like, maybe of some affluence or money or intellect and we all want her and so it's like who's the dominant male who is going to get so we're going to fight from jump street
0: that's right yeah
1: okay and that's our culture and you see it on cheers or any program that you look at they bring that out and, and they make fun of it and we
0: take it out that's the way it is
1: because that's, that's in our normal culture. that's in our culture that way it's it been embedded in our culture. In,
0: that's it. It's and, been embedded and embodied. That's why it's that way.
1: And then we embody it, each of us individually. You have it in you. I have it in me. It was in my family. Uh, it's in your family. It sometimes looked like white against black when we start talking about, you mentioned Civil War, uh, Jim Crow, civil rights. It sometimes looked like black on white. And so, well, sometimes it is. But it's also white-on-white, black-on-black, Asian-on-Asian. And
0: it's certainly uh, in terms of distribution of wealth and and the income.
1: Wow. I don't know why you brought that in when the average net worth, the average financial net worth of a white family is hundred and seventy one thousand dollars. This is before COVID. And the average net worth of a black family is seventeen thousand, about one tenth of what the white family is, and it's shown up that way. And I looked at Tulsa and it looked like some of the white folk just was didn't like black people having wealth. They end up finding finding a reason to burn it down. So yeah, all of that happens in our culture. And you're saying it's in our democracy,
0: right, and and so the challenge becomes: how can we embed and embody deeper, richer forms of democracy? Thought of as the way in which I live and how I relate to you, and you to me, and that's the purpose of transformative learning, and this uh, the idea, the basic tool is the transformative community of democratic practice, which is local groups of 10 to 20 people who get together in order to create an environment in which they're talking about real stuff, real struggles, and in the process, learning to embed and embody different values to change my male domination orientation and increase my my ability to want to hear and understand you especially if we disagree and willing to tell you what's going on with me as, as genuinely as I can and this generates the trust so that kind of group is creating a new culture is creating its own culture to deepen and promote democracy within each of us and then we Work in the local situation, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and we network these transformative communities of practice into a network that's supporting each other and developing better ways of doing this.
1: Okay. We have to go into our second break here in a minute, and you've just said in the last two minutes several mouthfuls. Okay. <laughs> in which we're going to come back and break down to make sure I understand it. And maybe if I understand it, folks out there can understand what it is that you're saying that you want to do. And first off, I really love what you're talking about, this transformative learning. So I want you to come back and describe, define that for us. What is this transformative learning? Living and relating better, listening to each other, hearing each other, understanding each other, both being able to say what we're about which a lot of times men have trouble communicating. But learning how we say what we're all about and listening to the other person and really getting what they're about in a way that we're trying to solve real problems in our communities. And then I heard you say you get a network of these smaller groups that are doing this. And so that. That's the
0: idea. Uh-huh. We haven't launched yet, but that's the idea.
1: We'll be right back and talk more about this and get into it. I really like what you're talking about, Michael. Johnson, we'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. We have Mr. Michael Johnson on the show with us this morning, talking about growing our democracy, having it to work better. We understand how polarized we are. The left versus right or Democrats versus Republicans and folks in the middle have difficulty getting people to hear each other. We don't listen. Our way is right. We're so much embedded into proving how right we are. And it's just it's happening, and he's wanting to change that. And we we got that he started thinking about democracy in 1948 and really thinking about this change since 1968. And he's writing a book about it, a 300-page book, this program of growing democracy project. has not gotten started yet, although I want to, as we get into this, I think it may have started, but just haven't been defined, haven't been outlined, and we're going to get to that. So. You were talking about transformative learning, and I say when we come back, I want you to define. What do you mean by that? So,
0: in your growing up, you embody the value of fighting, and I embody the uh, same thing. I, I refer to it as the, the primacy of the male. You know, I'm going to be the top dog male. And we live with that, and we live it out once it's embedded and embodied unless we can change it unless we can mitigate and that's what transformative learning is about and it it happens through in a group not a class where you have a teacher who's who's lecturing etc it happens through the interaction between people who are focused on i need to identify what i'm doing that's not working and i need feedback from people to give that to and we need to trust each other. And we need to work together to help each other through whatever our conflicts and contradictions are. And that, in effect, is we're creating a different kind of culture than what we live in. It's kind of an alternative culture. I yes, it's a place where we can really say what we want to say, need to say. We can be heard. We're really responsible for hearing and understanding the other and we have lots of problems doing this because that's really the bottom line difficulty in human relationships and you see it in movie and story after story and so the purpose of of the transformative learning is to use processes and methods that help us identify what's been deeply embodied and how to change it so my relationships and my democratic work go better. And it's been over the last 75 years that the approaches and the methods and the thinking of this transformative learning has been emerging. And it is, I wouldn't necessarily say it's mushroom, but there's been substantial development. So there's a variety of approaches and techniques and, and theories about it that people are putting into practice. So there's a body of practice to draw on already. And this is what groups would, would do. They would be drawing on the ones that work for them. And uh, each group is going to be autonomous. It's got to be a, it's a unique group. What works for them? So
1: what, what I'm getting to is I wanted to get this transformative learning. And so as you were talking, it's changing, changing from... You have to be the dominant male to, you can really listen to somebody else and get what they are. You don't have to be on top all the time. You don't have to win all of the time. You can allow somebody else to win.
0: I would take it a step further. Okay. The really dramatic step is I can surrender.
1: Ah, fantastic. I can
0: surrender and really take you in so that I can understand.
1: So in that surrendering, what the difference between changing and transformation that I've gotten is once you are able to do that, you don't go back. Changing, when you change something, it can be fleeting. It can happen for a minute or two or a week or two. And then if you're not careful, you'll go back to the way you were doing before. And so you constantly change to where you want to be and go back to where you were. And if you're not careful, you'll go back and stay back where you were. When you transform it, it's there. It's You you change so you really can and do surrender, okay? And you don't go back to dominating.
0: Yes, but not quite.
1: Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: I have no hope of eliminating this drive for me to be primary.
1: It's always there with you.
0: It's so deep. Okay. But I have weakened it and weakened it. And I have built up the capacity to surrender more often than not, okay. I might be a little bit. T- <laughs>
1: okay, so, and-,
0: and I'm still learning. it never stops. You know, you keep learning. I keep recognizing. Oh man, you know, I was an asshole. Excuse me, I, I, I was off base there. I was really off base. I wasn't. I was pushing myself. I wasn't trying to understand burden. But I don't punish myself for that. I say, all right, next step. Use that. The failure, as this is something Cornel West says over and over again, try and fail. Then try better and fail. And try again, then you'll fail better. <laughs> okay. that's, the, 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 the transform, that's how the, transform, the transformation works.
1: So this is transforming the way one is being to the way of a being that is better for self and for society, better for self and a culture, and you get this transformative learning through practice. And I have it that you're looking at creating smaller groups that that are doing this on a continued basis so that people can work together in this transformative learning, and therefore you have some people to talk to, to hone in your skills, if you will whether that yeah. skill was playing tennis or basketball or football you have to hone those in writing reading yeah, it's, arithmetic yeah. it's always practice and practice and practice okay really and once
0: you stop practicing you start losing
1: going, going back to where you were
0: the, ba- the basics probably you, you mm-hmm. don't have to go if you want to restart you don't have to go back to zero but it's the constant practice that keeps the honing the skills that there
1: so are you and your four brothers still have this rivalry?
0: I would say that we have established a civil level of interaction. Where if we start getting into it, we kinda of, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Back up. <laughs>
0: I don't think we really transform. <laughs> I mean in terms of our interactions.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: But that uh, you know, and and we've always loved each other, even when we we're at our worst stages, we were still loving each other. Yes. But to me, one of the most important observations was made by William Faulkner in his Nobel speech when he was won for literature. He, he just made this statement he said, The only stories that are worth writing about are about the human heart and conflict itself. Mm. And that's really transformative learning is a way to access that conflict we all have in the very unique ways and the way it plays out in our lives and that's that's human nature and transformative learning is about using that conflict in order to work with it. identifying it researching it understanding it and, and then it, it's like uh, transformative communities of democratic practice and that whole network is a laboratory for doing this. And the thing is, is that the people who are doing it are the lab coats and the mice at the same time.
1: Okay, so the members of these transformative communities are the people with the lab coats on. They are the ones that's doing the research and they're the mice. They're both. Yes. Okay.
0: And it's it's designed for everyday people. So it isn't about going out and recruiting the cream of the crop. It's designed to, uh, or will be designed. I mean, all of this is going to have to learn how to do this. But the the basic idea is to bring everyday people into this process. Because if you get allegiance of everyday people, Becoming deeply democratic, that's what's going to change society.
1: So we got transformative communities. The members of these transformative communities are the people that are doing the research and they're doing the research on themselves. So they are the mice and they are the researchers. That's right. Uh, looking at the conflicts that they have within themselves. And William Faulkner said, those are the only stories worth writing. Okay? I'm getting this. I'm just repeating it so I make sure I've got it. And this is designed for everyday people. You said not the cream of the crop, but I got. To, we're going to come back to that because I have it that the everyday people are the cream of the crop. Okay? Particularly when they know how to do this that you're talking about. Okay. And that's been my experience and the reason I like co-ops so much because I've seen everyday people make extremely intelligent decisions, long-term decisions, at best a high school degree. But they've learned what they need to learn to make decisions and hold each other accountable. And I was the property manager for housing co-ops, and they would hold me accountable, hold each other accountable, and they made really, really great decisions. And that's why I started liking co-ops. So – where are you now with writing your book and getting started with this growing democracy project?
0: I'm uh, going through the process of doing the last revisions for the book, and um, the problem is a uh, problem that's been there all the time is that as I go through any phase of revising, new idea, go, <laughs> oh God, no, stop. <laughs> So I'm trying to get through this phase without too many new ideas coming in and make me go back, you know, uh, uh, to the beginning.
1: You're in Chapter 10. So, you get a new idea, which makes you have to change Chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, yeah, 5, exactly. and so exactly. forth. So at so some point, you just have to put the stick in the, in the ground and say this is it. The second revision, you'll get new ideas and new research and yeah. new stuff. Okay, I got you. So you have a a date of when you think you're going to get this? Because I would like to get this book as soon as it's out. It sounds very exciting.
0: Um, I'm hoping to get it done by the end of the year.
1: Oh, fantastic. I'm hoping. I hear you. But you have a goal. I said that last year, too. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) For, For the last 15 years or so. Okay, okay. So hopefully this book will be out the end of this year growing democracy project and we can get it out to everybody and start practicing and growing these different communities now when we come back from our next break which is already our final break it goes by fast this has been fun and exciting to me we're going to talk about co-ops and how co-ops work in this growing democracy project and it's already working is how i have it. as you describe this to me we'll be right back please don't touch that down Information is power. Information is power. And that's why the National Cooperative Bank has been sponsoring this program for almost eight years now. October will be our eighth year. October is great because that's when the NTBA has their Cooperative Impact Conference. And that's when my birthday is. So we'll have the anniversary of everything co-op. We'll celebrate my 74 years on Earth. Michael Johnson would be 79 years on earth, and he's been working with this idea of cooperation since 1948, but particularly since 1968. National co Bank's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities by providing innovative financial and related services. And by sponsoring this program we are giving people information so they'll have the power to change their communities figure out the problems in their communities create a co-op and go about solving problems in community and that's exactly what michael johnson has been talking about and that's why i want to talk about co-ops he has said and michael would you go back over what's the tenants? what's the main focus of these growing democracy projects is
0: recognizing that culture is a dominant force in shaping how we live. So in political terms, it means ideology is a secondary factor. We want to grow democracy. We've got to think primarily in terms of culture. Second is transformative learning, which is the process of people getting together and talking and living and exchanging their reality with each other so that they can deepen and develop their democratic practice and values. And the third is um, we have to rethink what democracy is. And I think that starts with recognizing that it is primarily a way of living and relating before it is a way of governing.
1: I like the living and relating versus and I've only had it as a way of governance uh, not a way of living and relating to each other. Okay, so I said to you that before we took the break that I have it that this has already already have been working in in real life has been working in co-ops. And if I'll just quickly say, co-ops have seven principles: involuntary and open membership. It doesn't make any difference about race, age, political affiliation, religious. it just doesn't it? Discriminate. So anybody can join a co-op if it's acting as a co-op, if it is a co-op. Then the second one is democratic member control, one member, one vote. And so that's where you can really get people engaged. And then there's member economic participation. You put some money in and if, uh, when, if and whenever a profit, you get some money back out. Autonomy and independence, you have control. You have to have control over the business, those members. And then there's education, training, and information, and you've mentioned that several times so far, Mr. Michael, that people have to learn. It's continuous learning in a cooperative. And then the second thing you've, or third thing you've mentioned is cooperation among co-ops. You didn't say it that way. You just said that these groups have to be there, smaller groups, and then they have to work together. We talk about a cooperative ecosystem with co-ops helping out co-ops. And there's seven principles concerned for community. And, again, as I said earlier, most of the time co-ops are formed to solve a community problem. But then part of the profits that they make, most often than not, co-ops will donate back to solve other community issues or help other co-ops get started to solve community issues. So you have this ecosystem that you've talked about in growing democracy project of people working together and solving problems together, and this just keeps growing, growing, growing. So I have it, as you described, the growing democracy project. It's already in existence in this co-op world, but not necessarily defined that way. And we've seen over and over again that members of co-ops end up being members of school boards, members of uh, city council members, and then you have more people in co-ops voting than necessarily non-members of co-ops because they really get what it means to vote and what it means to be a citizen and be held accountable and hold others accountable. So I have it that it already exists. What do you have to say about that?
0: This is going to probably get me into a whole lot of hot water. Come on. <laughs> At the beginning, I said, this is my approach. is very unconventional. So this is a perfect place to apply it. I had come to some general basic ideas back around 2006 2007 and i needed to go out and do field research and that's how i got involved with the worker cooperative movement. and eventually got into also working with geo and i did a whole four years of field research in western massachusetts with the cooperative network that had emerged there and i did about 40 interviews and i got involved and talked a lot and there's so and then over the years, I've been involved in various ways. So I think you're right when you say that the basics are all there in the cooperative movement. But I don't think the cooperative movement is really taking full advantage of those basics. They've got a number of things that are in the way. So there's very little recognition of transformative learning within the cooperative movement. One person I interviewed was really very, very clear that a cooperative business has two tracks. It has the business track. You've got to run the business. You've got to make it work. And it has a democracy track. And that's a really difficult thing to, to carry out. The transformative learning is to really think in terms of we're not nearly as democratic as we need to be. And we need to find out how we are not democratic and what we can do to change that. And if that takes 10 years, if that takes 20 years, if that takes 30 years, that needs to be a vital component. Because there is no way that we, the cooperative movement or the solidarity economic movement, has matured democracy to an adequate level for its own purposes.
1: Now, when you say that democracy, are you talking about the democracy inside the cooperative or in the culture?
0: Inside. Inside the cooperative, between the cooperatives, within the movement. And and I refer to the cooperative solidarity economic movement, cooperative slash solidarity. I see them as being very, very close together. In fact, uh, so that's one point. The Learning is... uh, it's there to some extent, but there is really no, no, no appreciation, in-depth appreciation for it.
1: So it is getting it's people. Un- to-
0: it's a very unconventional thing right? one shouldn't expect it to be flourishing. If it was, the movement would be in a very different place. Okay?
1: So what's missing is that people in the co-op world itself do not have transformation as a part of a transformational learning. It's there in the sense that cooperative has a business track and a democratic track, and I have it to the extent that the democratic track is adhered to and understood. Then the learning happens in the co-op, in that fifth principle of how decisions are made, how you listen to each other, how you solve conflict, the things that you were talking about, and then you have a really good Business that works because people are engaged, people listen to each other, people hear each other, and people make decisions together, and you get a very, very, an excellent business and people feeling really, really great about themselves and their group. It doesn't always happen. As a matter of fact, it maybe happens slightly, but when it happens, it's it's phenomenal.
0: The basics are there, but though we, we tend t- to celebrate the base that what we have as opposed to critiquing what we have.
1: Critiquing and improving.
0: I, yeah. I'll give you an example. We attended one of the networks meetings and they were all you know, different cooperatives. It was a regional network. I had, had a great meeting on all of that. Afterwards, we were going to go out to the bar to, you know, to have cheers and blah, blah, blah. And there were two members who had traveled with someone else and they wanted to go home. They didn't want to, to go to the party. And the woman who drove the car, they cornered her, two men cornered her and. Demanded. They overwhelmed her. Yeah. So you went from, from the great stuff to, no,
1: this is back to the old way.
0: We we don't see that we're doing these things. That limits the enhancement.
1: So what I'm hearing you say is it could have happened in this group transformational learning in the group but then when they got outside the old behaviors of men dominating women just it happened right away last 30 seconds what do you want to leave people with
0: it's possible to expand democracy beyond our imagination but it takes years and years and great deal of work
1: and dedication and understanding what we're doing wrong
0: okay i'm
1: looking forward to getting your book buddy Get your book out, please. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so very much, Michael Johnson, for being on the program this morning.
0: morning. Thank you. You are a wonderful interviewer.
1: <laughs> I enjoy learning. I mean, you're teaching. Everybody out there, <laughs> please live this week cooperatively, and we'll see you next Thursday. Great. Thank you, Michael. Bye now. Okay.